isn't it good to continue to be assured by the love of God? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What does the love of God do to you and I? It might simply just do that. We're so overwhelmed that we've got no words to describe. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that true? God, your love is so overwhelming. I don't even know what to say, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you want to hear a really funny story this morning? Would you rather hear that than a message this morning? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I've got quite a few today. Courtesy of my brother-in-law. I, I read this to my kids yesterday or day before. I think day before. Are there any children around here? <laughs> Just checking to see if they're... <laughs> uh, okay. Jack, age three was watching his mom breastfeeding his new baby sister. After a while, he asked, Mom, why have you got two? Is one for hot and one for cold? (laughs) If it's still coming to you, then... (laughs) Melanie, age five, asked her granny, how old she was, and Granny replied, she was so old she didn't remember anymore. So Melanie said, if you don't remember, you must look back, you must look in the back of your panties. Mine's, mine says five to six. <laughs> but this is the best. Stephen, age three, hugged and kissed his mom goodnight. I love you so much that when you die, I'm going to bury you outside my bedroom window. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I'm going to bury you outside my bedroom window. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Now, if any one of you are uh, sort of kind of stumbled by that, Please see my brother-in-law after service. <laughs> he sent me all of this, so uh, uh, ask him to send me some more. <laughs> okay, let, let me end with this one other really funny story that I have to share with you. Um, can I have the words to I look to you again, please? Can you go to the chorus? Next one. No chorus. I look to you, the author and the finisher. I look to you, the lover of my soul. You consume my heart and my vision that bit there. And through your love, I am made whole. This morning, you all need to be totally, totally, you need to thank God and you need to praise the Lord that, uh, that Krista didn't type in the words. Way back in 1991, we were ministering with a team. Um, uh, uh, we were part of a group called His Tapestry. And His Tapestry is a worship team that 
goes out and ministers in different parts of the world as part of our Bible college. And we went to a, to a town in, it was just by the beach. And uh, so I was leading the team. And uh, at that time, how many of you remember, we used to use overhead projection. And then you type, write it on, on those slides or whatever. You remember that? And then you write it and then it kind of flashes out like that. So how many of you remember that, those days? Oh, so the, oh, praise God, there are so many of you around. Hallelujah, thank God, we aren't that old after all. And anyway, so I gave my wife the responsibility to write that. Some of you may have heard this years and years ago. So she wrote that and we started now. This reminded, this wasn't a church like our church where, you know, people just get into worship. These guys, they were like, they're, you know, in the beach. So I don't know whether we, call, we should call them beach bums or, you know, just waking up or whatever. So they were, they were there, and I'm standing in the front. Uh, I'm, I'm leading. I've got a keyboard player and all of that, and then we're leading. And, and, you know, when you lead, you close your eyes and you worship, right? I mean, most of the time. So, but, and sometimes, have you ever realized that when you close your eyes, somehow you think and you feel there is something lurking on the outside, in a sense that they are either watching you or they are laughing, worse still, they are laughing at you, right? You just feel that sense. I don't know whether it's discernment or what, but you just sense that. And it was this moment that as we were singing this song, I look to you in the thick of worship, the, the author and the finisher. And mind you, these people weren't getting into worship except us. We were really into worship, but they were just, you know, and through your love I am made whole. And then as we sang it again, I looked at that and the, the words were down here, right? So I'm standing here and these guys were sitting. And as I looked, I said, and through your love, I, uh, and as we were about to sing, I said, oh my word. And as I said that, everyone that were there, they just broke out in laughter, almost even falling off. Because the word was spelled W-H-O-R-E. <laughs> and through your love I am made whole. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you're singing and saying, the, through your love I am now a whole. I am made whole. Courtesy of Krista Sebastian. The service was never the same after that. <laughs> We broke the ice. God moved. Because immediately I decided, and we, because the first thing I did was I was looking to see whether my, you know, as guys, we always want to check whether our fly was down, right? So that's the first thing I'm looking to see. Nope, I'm all good to go. And, and then when I looked, I said, oh my word. It just came out naturally, oh my word. And then can, can we see the first line, please, of the verse? That's not the first line of the verse. That's the first line, thank you. So I said, you know, folks, this morning we need to lay down our vain imaginations. <laughs> we need to focus our thoughts on him. So all of the jokes just now, you need to lay all of that down. That was the whole idea of sharing with you those jokes so that we can lay down our vain imaginations this morning and focus our thoughts on the Lord. And you know how difficult it is sometimes to do that? It is, isn't it? But God, I kid you not, there's one thing I've learned. Never allow any circumstance that you're in that may not turn out the way that you think, whether the piano goes off or someone does this or that, just flow with it. Use it, use it for the glory of God. 
so many times, I, I can, to me, I, from a ministry standpoint, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the king in that, in a sense that so many times things like that happen, and you just got to use it and turn it to your advantage. We used it and really turned it to our advantage. Amen? You know, every good soldier goes into battle well prepared, right? I was reading a, a story about, the, about uh, 9-11, and what happened was there were 12 people that were chosen to go and to bring destruction to the enemy that, that killed thousands of people. And there was one person in particular who was then chosen after several interviews. He didn't have any experience of going out there and fighting. He didn't have any such experience. But 12 were chosen now because it was supposed to be a six-week period, but because of the terrain, because of the weather and all of that. And, and there were other platoons of Navy SEALs that were, allowed, that were, that, that were going to be dispatched to them. But they all couldn't because of the topography and all of that. And they had to cut it down to three weeks. Within three weeks, they didn't lose anyone. They actually, they, they actually completed their assignment because they got down and destroyed the roots of the enemy. And in any spiritual warfare, the thing that we've got to deal with is we've got to deal with the roots of the problem. We've got to deal with the roots of the issue. Now, in today's technology, right, that soldiers will understand that, that the, the nature of, of his enemy, you, can, you, can, you, you know very well what, what the nature of your enemy is. And in Ephesians, if you could turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 12 it says in the, in, the King, in the King James Version, it says this. Uh, it uses the term wrestle instead of struggle, right? It says we wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, in the NLT, it says this, for we are fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But we are, sorry, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the, excuse me, in the heavenly places. So Paul uses the word, or the King James Version uses the word wrestling. And, uh, you, you know, in the, in, in the days of uh, the, the early church during Paul's time, and all of that. Wrestling was a, was a popular sport. Now, unlike most sports, wrestling does not allow any time to relax or catch your breath. From the moment you start each round, wrestling demands concentration. Every thought must be focused and every muscle ready. To, to lose concentration, even for a moment, is to ensure the opponent's victory or at least a loss of advantage. So likewise, spiritual warfare to the Christian is, is constant. We are at war constantly. Now, it doesn't mean that we look under every chair and, and see that there is a demon here or there is a demon there. It doesn't mean that we live out of a place of fear. Now, we live out of a place of authority. Spiritual warfare is about authority. So this morning, I want to I very quickly talk to us about and share with us this morning as we enter into um, 2019. 
you know, there are many things that we, that, that we believe the Lord has in store for us this year. And often it is by spiritual warfare that we begin to take a hold of what God has already given you and I. Say it with me this morning. He has already given it to me. Come on, say it as you are really convinced. He has already given it to me. All of what I need, he has given to me. Amen. And, 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 that's, and, and that is, that's the truth. See, the devil has seen, he's seen our inconsistency. You know, the, the word of the Lord talks about being vigilant, being watchful. Right? We need to be really really watchful. So he sees our inconsistency, right? He's heard people declare with all of our hearts. I mean, we all declare this with all of our hearts. I'm really going to get, I'm really going to get to know God. I'm really going to serve him and change the world. Now, I heard some time ago on TED Talks, um, the commander of the Navy, Navy SEALs again, he said this, he started his opening statement was this, if you want to change the world, first make your bed. And he goes on and he says that first make your bed because at the end of the day, even if you lose the war and you come back, you still come back to a clean bed, a bed that's made. So make your bed, make your bed, hallelujah. And, and so to only see now that in two months after making this amazing declaration that in, that in two months, things have changed. Because why? Satan will wait for weeks and months and years and he watches for the time that you take this break and he comes right in. And he begins to discourage you and I. He begins to, he begins to tear us down. He begins to put things in our path. The, 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 there's a story that I heard many, many years ago about antelopes or some of those sorts of animals in, in, in Africa that they form, they form this, this, this circle to guard the young. The young's right in the middle. And they, unbeknownst to them that there is why, because they're trying to protect the young ones from the lions, from cheetahs or from leopards and all of that. And so what, the, what, what, what do the lions do? They wait, they lie in wait. They wait and they wait and they wait. At the opportune time when the mom and dad would turn to one another and, and, and they would turn to one another because there is an issue that they face with one another. So as they turn, they break those, they break that circle and as they turn and lock horns with one another, the enemy comes right in and grabs that young one. And so often, the enemy does that to us. He waits for us to lock horns. He waits for us to begin to do something and catches us off guard. And when we are caught off guard, he jumps right, he comes right in. The word also uses, in Ephesians as we look at, from verses 12 onwards, uses the word ruler. Now the word ruler describes the offices held by spirit beings. So ruling has to do with exerting opinion or will over others. So we're fighting against rulers exerting opinions that others have over, over us. So the enemy has gained access to us into our sphere of influence and exerts his will, his opinion, and he continues to frustrate God's plans over our lives. Now Matthew 16 talks about, talks about the gates of hell. Now gates, 
Gates are a place of authority where rulers of city would rule from, right? So paraphrasing it, Matthew 16 would be this, that the rulers from hell will not prevail against the church of God. Isn't that, isn't that exciting? Isn't that encouraging to know? Say it with me. The rulers of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Say it one more time. The rulers of hell will not prevail against the church of God, will not prevail against me. It's important, friends, that we put ourselves in that, in that verse. The rulers of hell will not prevail against me. Against me, for I am a child of God. Hallelujah. You know, whatever the, that the enemy may intend. So today's gates are ruling. Uh, are those ruling in council, parliament, kings, presidents, any place of, imp- of, of, of important corporate, where corporate decisions are made. So the question is, so how bad is, how bad is, how bad is he? How bad is the enemy? You know, we, we wonder sometimes, how, how bad can, can Satan be? You know, uh, you know I, I, I remember many years ago and I, I, I know I've, again, I've, I probably have shared this a long time ago, but there are quite a few who don't know this, may not know this story, but I, I came to a point in, in my own walk when I was quite young that I got tired of being a Christian because I thought I lost it all. Because I started losing hair. And I thought, it was only after I became a Christian that it, that it actually happened. Before that, it didn't. So I'm still, I've still got the debate with the Lord at the moment. I haven't found my answer yet. But anyway, I saw all my friends having a good time and they were enjoying a life that I thought and things weren't really going the way that it should. So I, I told the Lord, oh, I was having this conversation. I said, ah, so what? I'm going to hell, no big deal. So what? You know? And you know, how many, how many of you know before you version came into being. There's this thing called daily bread, these little books, the daily bread for devotion. So my devotion for that day, I opened it and it said, you fool. In, I, ki- I kid you not, in big bold letters, you fool, that was the top, that was the title, you fool. And the passage of scripture was from Luke. He who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That was the first and the last time I ever said, so what if I go to hell? Never again did I ever say that because the Lord spoke so clearly and referred to me as a fool because in, in the Psalms and in Proverbs it says, a fool says in his heart that there is no God. Right? A fool says in his heart. So we wonder how bad is, is the enemy, right? When, when Olivia was in prep school in this uh, right down in, uh, uh, on Pound Road, we were told of a, of a two-year-old child that was stabbed to death by her father just in Hallam. So the atrocities that happen in today's world. You know, I was just watching a video on how kids are being just snatched, you know, here and there. And wherever you go, you know, you go on a holiday and, and you find that people are just lurking. They're just lurking, lurking around. And that's how the enemy is. He marks our weaknesses on the areas that we feel most vulnerable. Whether it is uh, depression, loneliness, anger, lust, and waits patiently for the time to attack. So what should we do then? We should fight. Say it with me. We should fight. We should fight. We should fight. We should fight. 
So we should fight. Now, we, we, we do that by recognizing the enemy's consistency and surprise him by searching our areas of weakness. Right? If we had, have had a car accident, for instance, when we, in that, in that particular place, when we drive past that particular place again, what happens? We become more cautious and we become careful. Right? Because we know that that, that that spot is a dangerous, dangerous position. So we owe it to God, to ourselves and to others around us to search ourselves and to know that there are access points that we've got to be watchful over within our lives and to see, where am I going to stop these? And sometimes we need others to begin to point that out to us. You know, as we travel together as a community. And as, a, and as a family. So, let, 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 let me talk, let me share with you this morning about three, three specific areas, right? Um, in spiritual warfare. There are three battlegrounds that I, w- I want to touch on this morning. One is the mind. Number two is the heart. And the third one is the mouth. The mind, the heart, and the mouth, okay? So the mind, the heart, and, and our mouth. So thoughts enter into our, in, in, enter our minds in three, there are three possible entry points, right? Ourselves, the enemy comes through ourselves, what we allow, what we begin to allow, what we allow our friends to tell us, what we begin to embrace from them, what we begin to share, what we begin to do. We've been having some discussions. Uh, my, 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 my older son was just sharing with me about, you know, house and investment, and he was talking to me, and he was saying that, you know, he said that, you know, uh, you, you need to have X amount, you know, in, in order to in order to purchase a house, in order to sustain that. And, and it's true, there, there is statistics and all of that. There is statistics and there is good advice and then there is God advice. And what God says, right? And what God says. So I'm, I'm trying to communicate and share with him how we have come to where we are in a sense by virtually just trusting God. Because we didn't have anything else. Now, I'm not saying that if you have all of that, it's bad. No, God, I believe, will give you, you know, if, if you're wealthy and if you've got all of that, that's great because that, that's God's provision. But sometimes you may not have that. And all, you, and, and all you have is the ability to trust and faith. And God comes in that. So there is God advice and there is good advice, friends. And, and what we allow to come in ourselves is, is critical. The, the, the next entry point is God. He speaks to our minds. And that's what I was trying to encourage us earlier. What is he speaking to us as we lay our vain imaginations down? How does he come into us? Right? A word of knowledge or a voice from God that we begin to hear. And the third is the enemy. Unfortunately, many of us tend to listen to the enemy as a result and suffer the consequences we give him. We give him this, this ability to speak to us and lie to us and tell us. You know, this morning at the end of the service, we want to pray for our daughter church in, in Sri Lanka because they are facing, this morning, they expect militant Buddhists to come and attack and to, and, and to create problems there. So the verse that I sent the pastor over there was Isaiah 54 verse 17. No weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. 
No weapon that is formed against you. Right? No weapon that is formed against us can prosper. Right? So the devil has, ha, is not omnipresent like God, but he's got a myriad of demons. His henchmen, like many, they will watch and they begin to attack. In, in James 4 verse 7, it says, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. All we need to do is to resist the devil. Martial arts exponents learn the skill of mustering all of their concentration onto particular areas and thereby they pull their strength to that specific area. You know, uh, Bruce Lee was known for what? <laughs> no, I know martial arts, kung fu and all of that. Jiu-jitsu and all. No, he was known for one thing, a one-inch punch. So he comes just one inch. Don't worry, I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and when he... When he when he releases that, that person flies, literally, right? He learned the art of that one-inch punch, right? That's why my wife always wants to hug me. She doesn't allow me to get even... She, 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 that one inch, I can't be one inch away from her, right? And... <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah. Yeah, because she, we love cuddling, hallelujah. And, and you know what? I think, I think actually that's a lesson in itself. That we got to cuddle so close to God that the enemy has no space to come in. You know? And because he learns this, he comes so close to us. And he's able to use everything within. Within his resource to begin to attack to begin to attack us. So the forces of darkness, they cannot read our minds like God can, right? God begins to test our hearts and minds and he, and he, and he, and he tests the righteous. He tests us, right? But this is our confidence that the enemy cannot ever read his mind. Peter says this. In fact, uh, let me give you an example and, and how, how Jesus dealt with, uh, with Peter. He says, he tells Peter this when Jesus said, that it was necessary for him to rise and to die and to rise after three days. And, and Peter refused that. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? Get thee behind me. He wasn't casting out a demon from Peter as such, but he knew that thought. And so immediately he deals with this and he, dis, and, and he dis, dispelled that. Now, some of, some of the ways that the enemy comes into our mind are through the things that we read, we see. You travel anywhere, you see billboards, you see this, you see that. Ted Bundy was interviewed just hours or, or days or a day or so before uh, by James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson. How many of you know who Ted Bundy is? He's a serial killer, right? Rapist, serial killer and all of that. He was a, he was a completed law school, you look at him, you don't even think that he would be a serial killer. But this is what he says in the interview with, uh, with uh, James Dobson. He says this. How, he says how he was in, influenced by pornography and uh, other, um, uh, other material that he saw. And it started with this. He was a young boy. This was in the 80s, right? He started with what? What, what, what we probably may, may term soft core uh, pornography, which is, you know, you look, at, you look at the target 
you know, uh, magazines and things like that. And that led one thing to another. But this is the sequence. He says, I need you all to know this in the interview. He says, I want you to hear this. In the beginning, it fueled the fantasy. After a while, it crystallized, crystallizes, making it a separate entity. And at that point, it felt like there was a want and a desire to act on it. And because it became an addiction, it needed to get, it needed to step up into the next and into the next and into the next. So as he began to say, now he didn't, now the one thing he was clear and he said this, I'm not saying that pornography made me do this, but it molded my thinking. It influenced what I thought. So what's influencing you and I, friends? To stay away from the very thing that God has for you and I. From the very thing that will get us to, to, to virtually recalibrate for an overflow this year. 2019, that's what God has said to us. You and I, you need to recalibrate so that the overflow will, will, will come and it will, it will happen. Remember this word, OCCA, O-C-C-A. Observation, from an observation comes a concern. I observe that, you know, when you look at things, you look at people, I observe that, then comes an, an, an concern. I'm, I'm concerned about it. And do you realize that your concern leads you into a criticism? You begin to criticize. And from a criticism, there comes an accusation. And that's what the enemy does. So he comes, he observes. Then he places all these thoughts. Oh, you, you need to be concerned about it. Now then he moves into a criticism and then an accusation. Because James 4, 8 verse 44 says this, he's the father of all lies. You look at the dark. Is the dark really fearful? The dark in itself is not fearful. But we are afraid of the dark. Because it tells us something else. We begin to allow our minds to begin to travel into places where it says this and that, which actually it isn't. So the dark in itself is not fearful. But what it, what it begins to tell us, what it begins to say. You know, before you go scuba, dive, scuba diving, they say, do not panic, do not, you know, be anxious and so on and so forth. And when you go down, you look all around and you see everything and then you suddenly find your breathing doesn't, you know, breathe the way it is and everything seems to be tight. And before, you, instead of doing this, you say, no, you want to get up, you want to go up. Why? Because you begin to imagine. You get into this other world and you begin to imagine other things that actually aren't really happening. And instead of enjoying that world, instead of enjoying Nemo and everyone else that's there, you begin to think that they are this white shark that's ready to attack you. And you, may, you and I may laugh until you try it and you get down there and then you begin to see that world down there, as beautiful as it is, can be so nasty because you entertain things that should not be there. Second, second point, let me really fast track through this. The second strategic battleground is the heart. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it will flow, the, will flow 
the springs of life. Now, the heart means many things in, in, in biblical terms. But in spiritual warfare, I, w- I, want us to, I want to confine with just two things, attitude and emotions. Our attitude and our emotions. You know, we've done the EHS series here. We're big on that. We're going to be rolling that out this year as well. It, it talks about looking at the emotions that are buried deep within, that have of, often been set aside. And so the enemy comes into those unhealthy emotional spaces and causes us to feel anxious, depressed, insecure. Feel like everyone's against us. Feel like, you know, we're going to, we're losers. And and it puts us in this holding pattern for for a long time. Ephesians 4 verse 22 to 24 tells that, that in fact speaks to to that mature congregation, Paul tells them, he says this, put off the old self and put on the new self, which means that on a day, that our daily responsibility to deal with our attitudes is not to dismiss it. Well, we're not to make statements like this. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to hurt anyone else, even if I have this attitude. It's not going to hurt anyone else, you know. They cannot be ignored. Even if we are new Christians or, or feel like as if, you know, we've, we're going through this difficult experience, we're feeling burnout, we're feeling this, we're feeling like we, we, we just cannot dismiss that because wrong attitudes kills in the long run, right? Now, not dealing with lo- wrong attitudes is, 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 is something like not brushing your teeth, for instance, or not taking showers on a daily basis. Now, what happens when we don't? We obviously begin to stink. Decay sets in. So just like God is unable to shower us or clean our teeth, as that is our personal responsibility, so do we need to take personal responsibility in dealing with wrong attitudes before they become an access point, before they become a stench in our own lives before they become a stench in, someone else, in, in others as they come in contact with us, right? So particularly attitudes that we need to deal with on a continual basis. And if Ephesians talks about that. Chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Hebrews 12, verse 14 to 15. It tells us this. It warns us about the root of bitterness, that can spring out of our lives. That root of bitterness that springs out. So an undealt emotion that is pushed away, that eventually becomes bitter. And then even when you come across someone who's not saying the wrong thing, it's actually saying the right thing, but that root begins to sprout out. And you attack a right person at the wrong time. It begins to happen. Right? One Peter... How do we deal with this? 1 Peter 5, 6 to 9 says, it tells us that humility is the way of life. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. For in due time, he will exalt you. Now, humility is choosing to know who you actually are. Nothing more and nothing less. Right? Again, in in the word of the Lord in 1 Peter 5, it says this, be sober. And also it says says that that we are to be alert. Be sober. It It is not about putting a, Obviously a serious face, but it is being watchful. 
you, you realize that when you take a little bit of alcohol and when you get intoxicated, your judgment is impaired. Amen? You know, the enemy is referred to as, as what? A roaring lion. But he's a toothless roaring lion. Hallelujah. He hasn't got the ability to, to, to bite or to, to do that. It's the, the pain that we feel is the pain that we have given him permission to cause over our lives. So the devil, like a roaring lion, seeking to devour God's children. Lions roar. The lion's roar is powerful and it is frightening. The intention is not for us to respond in our emotions to those roars and make decision at a time at, an, at, at a time where we're experiencing particular difficult emotional, uh, emotional issues. So he roars. He roars. And when he roars, what happens? When we respond, we respond in lust. He roars, we respond and we get depressed. He roars and we become rebellious. He roars and we move into places that certainly God does not intend. But there is this, there, there is this sense of fear because we're not engaging in this clear sense of spiritual warfare. That we've got to fight. Why do we have the fast and prayer? Why do we have a, a, a prayer meeting on a Wednesday? Why do we encourage each, each and every one? Get into, get into times of devotion. Know your God. Why are we encourage, encouraging this, this form of discipleship this year called Discovery Bible Study? It is to again just bring us to a place where spiritual warfare is 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 is, is important to recognize, that we need to recognize this. And the third and final area, strategic area, is this, the mouth. Our words can create or they can destroy. What we say, you can create or you can destroy. We were doing this passage of scripture during our break. Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1 right through, I think, 5th probably 15. And we went through the entire creation story. What happened in day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Right? Now I've read that passage so many times, but I didn't realize that there were some specifics that I did not realize after all this. But doing this Discovery Bible study thing really helped me. And, and, and the, a key thing was this, God spoke over a formless void, something happened. When he spoke, something happened. When he spoke, something happened. It was only in the creation of a woman that he went into Adam and he brought something out and created this woman. It's amazing that when God speaks and we're made in his image that we can speak and something can happen. I didn't know this until recently I heard this, that apparently plants respond to positive affirmation. Yeah. This is amazing. So you speak nicely, hi, baby, and things that. I think it'll respond. Now I realize why a lot of my plants die, especially in my, in my office. Because in my office, I'm shouting, get out of, in Jesus' name, get out this, that, I'm fighting, I'm doing this, I'm getting angry, blah, blah, blah. And that's why my plants are all dying. But imagine if I speak nicely. 
oh, darling this, darling that, you know, honey this, honey that, the plants would. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's why when Jesus spoke to the fig tree and cursed it, they, remember they asked, how is it that even when he spoke to the fig tree, the fig tree, is our words can destroy. Imagine what it does to a fellow human being. You know, the, the vice president of Cleansing Stream in, shared the story with us. For many years, they couldn't conceive. And when he wrote the, 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 the three aspects to Cleansing Stream, one of it is on words. And when he was writing this, the Lord revealed this to him. Because they were wondering, why is it that they couldn't have children? And he, he was the oldest of several in his family. And as each of them were born, he found that the resources were being spread out. And so he made, this point, made the statement, I will never have children. And so they tried. The minute God revealed that to him, he humbled himself, he prayed, and he confessed and repented nine months to that date, as he says. They had children. So the things that we speak over our lives hold us in prison. So this morning, there is a prison break for you and I. Come on, say to someone there, I'm breaking out of prison. I am breaking, I have broken out of prison. Some of you will be saying that I've already broken out of prison. Now, there are other prisons that you may unconsciously be in that God is wanting to break you out this morning. He wants to break you and I out of, out of that prison. Now, when Job was inflicted with sickness and his possession taken away, the Bible says that he did not blame God, nor did he sin with his lips. Job 1.22 says this. He did, not, he did not keep quiet, but yet he was not disloyal to the character of God. He did not cross this invisible line of familiarity. It happens in family. It happens with our colleagues. It happens with our subordinates, with their bosses, with whoever. We cross this this, this familiar line. And sometimes when you cross that familiar line, it's difficult to come back. But in God, I just want to say this. That when God brings that awareness to us, we can come back to a place of honor. And hence, the culture of honor is what that would keep us from not walking across that line, that familiarity, that we become so familiar Amen. I, I suppose we live in a day and age where statements like this is, it feels, if it feels good and right to me, I will then just do it. I will just say it because it feels right. Right? But that's not the ruling sentiment, friends. It is what pleases God. It is what my words can say. So in, in conclusion, as Christians, we need to take time now to begin to recognize where the excess points in our lives are. Where are these excess points? Where are we giving, giving the enemy to come in? Where are these cracks, my friends? 
We must, we need to exercise personal responsibility and not give the devil any more access point to our minds, to our hearts, and to our mouth. Right? We don't. And maybe that's why when Isaiah in chapter 6, yeah, it is in chapter 6, he desired to want to see God. And the first thing was God cleansed his lips. And he began to say, holy, 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 holy. This morning, can we put the verse of that song up, laying down my vain imaginations. I want us to just close with that. You can sit, stand, but it's between you and God this morning. It's just you. You, you respond to God. Following that song, if you want prayer, you can come up. But I'm not going to be giving an altar call this morning. I want this to be a time between you and God. Where you begin to speak and you say, God, these are my access points, Lord. Because friends, it's, it's not about, it's not always. There are times where that's important, where you need someone to be praying for you. But there are times where you need to do your own business. And you need to tell the, the enemy, mind your own. I'm about to take account for mine. I'm about to close this access point right now. Because in Matthew 28, he gave us all authority is given unto us. We can trade on serpents and scorpions, right? So as part of our exercise at our holidays, I had encouragingly, I encouragingly forced my kids to have scorpions. So Olivia actually tried a fried scorpion and so did Ryan and so did all of us. And they liked it. She liked it so much that she wanted another one. Now, I know it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing here, but when we look at that, and when the, the first thing we look at, oh, dear, oh it's, it looks, it's so scary. But you know what? We have authority over that. And we can destroy that. So it's destroyed. The enemy has destroyed the things that you and I are entering into in 2019. The enemy, sorry, the enemy cannot destroy those things. God has destroyed that. But we need to make it happen.